Hey everyone, I'm Mallory Rubin and I am thrilled to tell you that House of R has a new podcast feed. Joanna Robinson and I will now be with you twice a week with more of the deep dives you've come to know and love on the Ringerverse. In addition to exploring all of your favorite nerd culture new releases, we'll have nostalgic revisitations, hype meters, Hall of Fame inductions, tropes courses, drafts, and more. All bad babies are welcome as we dive into Star Wars, Marvel, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, and beyond. Follow the new House of Our feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the 2024 Oscar nominations. Amanda, we're here to discuss in my garage Mm -hmm. the latest Academy Award nominations. How are you feeling on this fine morning? Well, it's 7.38. We aimed for 7. I arrived at 7.20, though I want to say that that was a little bit to accommodate everyone's schedules. And we're sending love and, and solidarity to Bobby. Um, and hope that he gets heat in his apartment back. Now at 7.38, we have overcome technical difficulties, and I I feel the same as I felt at, like, 6.05 when I texted you, uh, which is, like, fine. This is, this is fine. This feels like a compromise. Okay. And in the grand tradition of compromises, it's, like, unsatisfying to pretty much everyone except... Christopher Nolan and Justine Trier, mm. and I guess Europeans, um, which is historically how compromises work. It's like it's not bad, right? And for the most part, we were right. But I wouldn't say that any of the surprises are like, ex- well, there are one or two nice surprises, but there's not like a lot of flair. Most of the surprises are, okay, well, they did that thing that we thought they were going to do. Yeah, there's a tremendous amount of precursors now. It's gotten easier and easier to predict Oscar nominations and Oscar wins over the last 10 years. All kinds of mathematical models, tons of critics awards and guild awards now that we can look at and analyze. But it does feel like in the last four or five years, there have been, I would say somewhere between five and seven genuinely surprising surprises on Oscar nominations morning. This year, I guess there were a handful, but it seemed like fewer than usual. The ones that we got and we'll talk about the surprises and the snubs and the what the fucks in this conversation today. But nothing jaw-droppingly, overwhelmingly stunning. Even the things that I think some of us on this pod may describe as a, like a crime against art. I'm not, um, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm, I'm not coming in okay. 
I'm not coming in super hot. I'm coming in a little bit unimpressed, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It's sort of like, when I say compromise, it's not like we all went to therapy with like a really good therapist or even just like on our own with Who's best we intentions. All? This is me um, and you and Bobby and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and yes, Sciences. Exactly. Okay. okay. And and like talked it out. Okay. And it like mostly makes sense, but it's like, you know, what are you gonna do? It's not a crime. I'm just like this there's there's no flair. There's no excitement. There's no flair. Yeah. Well, I think if you're one of the makers of Oppenheimer, there's a significant amount of flair this morning. Sure. Oppenheimer is the leading nomination getter with 13 nominations this year, one shy of the all-time record, which is currently owned by All About Eve, La La Land, and Titanic. Um, this is a, in a hugely... You think Chris is pissed about that? You think he wanted the Christopher record? Christopher Nolan, the yeah. filmmaker behind mm-hmm. Oppenheimer? <laughs> Do I think he's pissed that he doesn't have 14? I think he would have liked it. I think, you know, the, the opportunity was dashed when Oppenheimer didn't make the shortlist for visual effects which I find actually to be very strange if you know anything about how the movie was made because there are a ton of visual effects, but most of them are practical effects. Uh, and so for the, I guess, that group to overlook that is quite strange. That would have been the way for it to get 14. Um, didn't get that. I, I would imagine Christopher Nolan is quite satisfied because in addition to Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, Best, best supporting, supporting Actress. Act- I mean, he, it's really on down the line. Best Supporting Actor, of course, like on down the line. Much like we said after the Golden Globes that this was... This is was going to be a show of strength for Oppenheimer. It feels like Oppenheimer's yeah. Oscar to lose. You know, I I think there are actually quite a few heartening nominations. We have to we can think look back on years past, even as recently as like three, four, five years ago at films that got more than two or three nominations, and it's kind of appalling. This year there are are a lot of really good movies that are are have five, six nominations under their belt. So I think there's like a couple of critical misses that people were concerned about but didn't actually think would come to pass. I, I I guess we should just talk about those. Chief among them, I think, specifically are Greta Gerwig, who did not make Best Director, which you suggested was a possibility when we did predictions. And I thought more more surprising to me was Marco Robbie missing in Best Actress. Yeah, I did as uh, well. For Barbie. So the world was dying to know your reaction to this news. Well, I floated it in our predictions thing. I was like, this is a real possibility. And you had floated it. I, I looked it up. It was January 12th, a Friday in the afternoon. And you um, texted me and Bobby saying that many people suspected that Greta Gerwig and Alexander Payne, who were nominated at the DGAs, would be out in favor of Justin Trier and um, Jonathan Glazer. That did, in fact, happen. So, like, th- this was a possibility. I'll just say, I never personally thought yeah. that both of them would be out. I thought just one of the two. And in right. fact, they both were out. Right. So we knew it was going to happen. And then, or not, we knew it was a possibility. And then on the the Margot Robbie front, I mean, we've just known forever that the Academy does not understand comedic performances. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's honestly the real shame. Margot Robbie is one of the great movie stars and actors of her generation and is also like, probably a billionaire at this point. Like, I don't, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the cut, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like, she's doing very well. I'm, I'm hoping it's, we're getting towards what is that? Nine figures. Um, oh, definitely for yeah. her. When she's one of the, she is the chief architect sure. of the Barbie thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Barbie was nominated in best picture and she is listed for that. So, you know, she'll be fine, but it just is kind of, it's, it, Again, it's like a boring decision, mm-hmm. you know? And she, I suppose you could say, if you wanted to be ungenerous, that her spot was taken by Annette Benning in Nyad, um, who swam a lot 
And swimming's really hard. So, <laughs> I, and Annette Benning is great. And I know that she really wants an Oscar. And like, this is sort of like the Glenn Close uh, of this year. I love Annette Bening, you know? Like, I just noticed that you have the American president on Blu-ray. I'm sitting right next to it in your garage. I and do. that's why I you're do. my guy. Thank you. But, um... Thank you for acknowledging my collection at this, you know, at this hour. It's like, what will we remember in 5, 10, 15 years? Is it, like, Annette Bening, like, yelling at some people in a Speedo? No. It's not going to be. Um, the Annette Bening nomination is uh, a signal of a handful of nominations across here that I think are, like, wildly forgettable and just feel... Very campaign oriented, very um, kind of studio origin oriented. Uh, I the Barbie thing to me feels like as much a strike against comedy as commerciality and a a, spe- a specific kind of commerciality, which just does not do well at the Oscars. Which I have whinged about on this mm-hmm. show for years and don't totally understand. You know, Barbie was not my favorite movie of the year. It wasn't in my top twenty favorite movies of the year, but I think it's very good and it's an, a very impressive achievement of movie construction and execution and so it's recognized for that i think in best picture i think whether the direction is superlative rel- relative to the other nominees it's it's all debatable you know what i mean yeah. like justin Trier and jonathan glazer are capital a artists right greta gerwig is too but she's obviously operating in a mode that is even different from the work she did in little women or ladybird uh, i believe jane campion remains the only woman to be nominated more than once in best director in Oscar history, which is interesting. But as recently as Thursday on the show, when you and I talked, I was like, well, we have one. We have Greta Gerwig. We have yeah, this woman. And we, and we still here. do. It's still fine. Do. You know, do. it's just, it's not even, it, it doesn't even leave like a bad taste in my mouth because I, you know, as we discussed on Thursday, when Barbie came out in the summer and it was a sensation, everyone was like, oh my God, it's going to sweep the Oscars. And I was like, will it? Like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I have talked to people and I see how these things go. Um, Greta is another person who's going to be fine. How much money do you think she made? Greta Gerwig? Yeah. You, you want me to put a specific dollar amount on the amount of money well, she made on the film Barbie? Yeah. Like, did she have a cut of... I'm sure she participated in some fashion. Yes. Okay. As the writer director who pitched and sold the concept of the film. That being said, um, that that aspect of movie making has changed a lot, right? Like contractually in the last 10, 15 years. Right. So maybe not nearly as much as she would have had 20 years ago. But you know, she's also someone who's who was proven to be a commercial filmmaker even before this movie. Lady Bird made like $70 million. The Little Women made over a hundred million dollars. So it's possible she they, they're all doing very well financially. Right, yeah. Everybody so, is like, they're fine. doing fine. But and- the, the, the interesting thing I was wondering about is there was this, there was a line of thought that Oppenheimer significantly um, capitalized on the Barbenheimer experience at the box office. That Oppenheimer, a three-hour biopic, you know, made for large format screens, very serious subject matter, was able to capitalize on the extraordinary success of Barbie and the Barbenheimer wave, you know, that sort of like social media explosion that happened. Do you think that Barbie actually benefited from an awards perspective by being a part of the Barbenheimer experience? Or is this maybe a sign that it didn't? Like, is it, do, how do you feel about that in the aftermath of the nominations? Sure. I mean, I, I do think that those movies are success-wise are tied together forever, um, both box office and 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 awards we like took them all seriously you know it, it's also true that like christopher nolan has been like an extremely accomplished filmmaker before and after as has greta gerwig mm-hmm. you know people have been pointing out that 
all three of her features have been nominated for Best Picture. And that's like the first, you know, she's the first director to ever have their first three features nominated for Best Picture. So that would have been true whenever they released it as well. I mean, we're like dealing with heavyweights. Um, And we were. And that is another reason that like Barbenheimer became a thing because we all had some confidence of being like, oh, well, Christopher Nolan is making a giant movie and Greta Gerwig is making a giant movie. Mm -hmm. I think everybody made the right decisions in in pairing them together, um, even if certain people didn't love it. Do you think Christopher Nolan has seen Barbie yet? Absolutely. You do? Yeah, I would be very surprised if he hadn't seen the film Barbie. Do I think he's still annoyed with Warner Brothers for (laughs) dating Barbie when they did? I do think he is still annoyed about that. Um, I don't think he has much to be annoyed about this morning. Yeah. If I were Greta Gerwig, I would... I would probably actually understand this. The it's very rare that filmmakers who are working in prefab IP are recognized in as many categories as some of us were banking on. Um, if you're working in, in intellectual property, a movie like Black Panther can get nominated because there feels like something kind of historic and thematic that we haven't seen before. I think Barbie is very much operating in the same way with an idea of gender in the world, femininity, feminism, um, expectations of women. These are big, important ideas, but they're yeah. still inside the Barbie box, literally. So I guess and I'm not... she steps out of it, you know? She, she makes a choice. Yeah, she makes a, a choice. As a woman doll. She's, she's in, she gets back in the box, but then she says, no, yes. I don't want to be in the box. Yes. And then America Ferreira drives up her product endorsement car and mm-hmm. parks it right in front of the Mattel building for like a beautiful... Uh, car shot and then they drive away to the land of enchantment. Let me just say, I think that things like that are held against the film. I I understand Um, it. And I'm looking, like, I don't know who I would replace in best directing for for Greta. I think Justine Trier being included is really exciting. That's a great movie. Well, for the sake of this conversation, let's just, for the listeners, point out these are the films that are nominated for best picture and we'll talk about director too Mm because there's obviously an important crossover there. Best picture is American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor things in the zone of interest. This matches perfectly with what mm-hmm. we saw from the Producers Guild and our predictions last week. This was one of the easiest to predict best picture races, certainly since I've been doing this show. Um, I think part of that is because but, seeing the the oddness of the PGA noms just kind of locked everything into place. Yeah, right? but that only happened after the PGA noms. Yes. E- like all through December, we had a, a lot of movies on the bubble and it was real like... 14, 15 movies for 10 spots, which was cool. And I am bummed about the movies that did not make it in. Even though, it's funny, last night I was at dinner with my husband. He's like, okay, so what are you excited about tomorrow? And I was like, well, I'm not really excited about anything. I'm just very nervous that some things that I fear will happen will happen. And I think that I I was most anxious about past lives Mm -hmm. um, falling out of best picture. So, because that just would have felt really bad for everyone. Um, So I'm I'm glad that it made it in. Uh, I'm I'm bummed about all of us strangers, which uh, you know I think never really had a chance. Which is there was a failure launch with that campaign, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, What else am I sad about? I have a few things. I mean, I I mean in best picture. Uh, I think in the same spirit of Barbie missing in Best Directing, I think we're way overdue for a movie like Spider-Verse to be nominated, or yeah. The Boy and the Heron to be nominated for Best Feature Film. I, I think it's actually genuinely getting weird now, the way that in many other ways the Academy has expanded its understanding and acceptance of different kinds of movies, of different kinds of filmmakers, the international nature of the body, which really sh- shown through again this year. Um, 
there's a real like National Lampoon's European vacation thing going on with the Academy right now <laughs> where they're just like really excited about whatever's going on in Europe. Um, <laughs> that I think is actually actually getting a little goofy yeah. and maybe they've overexpanded in some ways at their own expense because they're going to alienate viewers from the show who do not know what Anatomy of a Fall is. Nevertheless, I'm, that doesn't bother me. That's a wonderful movie. Um, I, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not weeping over the exclusion of May, December in a lot of critical right. categories. You know, it did get a best original screenplay nomination. It's the kind of movie that only gets an original screenplay nomination. You know, it's a critics film. It's an intellectual film. It's a semiotic film. It's a movie that is about ideas that is mocking the industry that it is uh, essentially being voted on. So I can't say I'm stunned by that, but it would have been nice to see Charles Melton's name or Julianne Moore's name yeah. or Todd Haynes's name or, you know, any number of people that didn't get uh, a look today. It's interesting looking at the films that got the most nominations because I don't think that that necessarily, aside from Oppenheimer, communicates a lot of power. Um, both Killers of the Flower Moon and Poor Things got 11 nominations this morning. I think that you're right that Killers of the Flower Moon might be another Irishman situation. I think perhaps with one perhaps example. Perhaps with one. Yeah, exception. But... And we've talked about it, and I'm I'm in the bag for Lily Gladstone. I don't I, I don't know her, but I think she was wonderful. I think that she's the first Native American actress to ever be nominated for Best Actress, and I she's great. I I just personally hope that she wins. She might not because I think the eleven nominations for Poor Things suggests that Poor Things you know, might show up. Yeah. Um, and like, and it's funny as you keep scrolling down that, you know, and you see like, obviously it was going to compete in production design and, and costume design and, and whatnot, but it's just, it's there like in every category. And that is a real Oscar friendly movie. So I would watch that space. There was some speculation that the director of poor things, Yorgos Lanthimos would miss in director, for example, by retaining Greta Gerwig and also having the two other European filmmakers who made it in. Yeah, that no. didn't happen. It made it into adapted screenplay. Mark Ruffalo made it in, although Willem Dafoe did not, which is something that I I have been sure of in my mind for mm -hmm. weeks and weeks and weeks, despite SAG not putting Ruffalo in. Um, I, the other thing I just wanted to mention quickly is um, we didn't talk about the BAFTAs and the BAFTA nominations yeah. last week at, because the BAFTAs have changed the way that they vote. And now that I find that award show to be very strange. And some people who listened to our show on Friday said, like, how did you, why did you record this before? Uh, seeing the BAFTA nominations. As usual, the BAFTAs don't mean anything. Like, a movie like Saltburn is not present here. There's not tonight. serious people. All of Us Strangers is not present here. Like, the BAFTAs do not meaningfully reflect where the Academy Awards is going really at all anymore. So, I, I feel at least confident in doing that. I probably would have had poor things at roughly 11 nominations. I'm not, like, stunned by that number. Whether or not it's strong, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could just be that Oppenheimer absolutely sweeps all the craft categories. Yeah. It does feel that way. Um, I, I I think that Holly Waddington should win for costume design. Um, you know, I, I the the Oppenheimer hats looked cool or whatever. But um, <laughs> and there are a couple other places where it could sneak in. But I, I think you're right. Yeah, Barbie could be a place where costumes are recognized potentially too. I think now we're at the place yeah. where we're like, well, how will Barbie actually be recognized? How will it actually get it, some it love? Will, it will literally. Okay, I'm not ready to talk about song yet. Okay. I'm actually not ready. I'm so, I'm so upset. Um, I, 
I, I was I was texting uh, this morning with with some friends who may or may not have a, a film podcast and who may or may not be cited again when we talk about animation. Okay. Hi guys, um, and they were positive. Just so I'm like, clear, you're talking about Bill Simmons and Chris Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah so my hosts two of the rewatchables. Yeah. Oh, Bill, Chris started watching an animated show. He's seen a few. Yeah. Blue Eye Samurai, Scavengers Reign. And then you and Andy stuff. were both like, yeah, but we didn't like those animated shows. It's impossible to please you two. I I never shared an I opinion. I went to see Boy and the Heron and you and Bobby were like, well, you can't start with that, Miyazaki. And he's like, well, I guess I'll <laughs> never start. <laughs> didn't take long for you to start <laughs> shouting at me about things I like in my garage. Um, I did like those animated shows and I don't know why I've been slandered on that. Okay. Uh, nevertheless, I'm happy for you guys. You spoke to some friends about animation. Two uh, friends, in fact. Two friends about animation and also the nominations writ large. They were positing. Um, it's it's the it's the blank check boys. They were positing that the the Greta snub, if you will, and best director and some other things would clear the way for an adapted screenplay win for Greta Gerwig and her partner or now husband, I believe. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, they celebrated at a Billy Joel concert. Like, those two are undefeated. Yeah. Uh, As usual, I don't, Noah Baumbach living my I best just, life. It's just, it's that absolutely rules. Going to Congrats Knicks games, to Billy Joel concerts, getting checks off of Barbie, making pavement jokes. We fucking love to see it. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, but I'm a little dubious of that. Yeah. I'm a little dubious, in part because I think there's already this understanding of a kind of at least campaigning category fraud around original. Um, there was a there was a big surprise to me in adapted screenplay, which was the Killers of the Flower Moon was not recognized. Mm-hmm. I don't know very many people who didn't have that. Um, didn't you talk about that though on Thursday? You were like, "There's this question of whether Jonathan Glazer will come in. How strong is Zone of Interest? Turns out, very strong. Very strong. The Zone of Interest. I'm, I want to get to that. I want to save a little bit of room for the Zone of Interest conversation. But Killers of the Flower Moon." is very similar to the zone of interest in this way. They're both extremely unusual adaptations. They're adaptations, um, and I started reading the Martin Amis novel, and I got about halfway through it, and I was like, wow, this is just not mm-hmm. what the film is, um, really, at all. And I don't think I'd fully realized that until I dug into it, and I actually haven't finished the zone of interest. Maybe I will at some point, but um, as with all Martin Amis, it's extremely densely written. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Brilliant prose, but my my guy is is really in the. I'm reading. The emotional subtext. I'm reading a Perfect Spy right now, the John mm. Lecrae novel, yeah. which is like unreal. But also, I've been reading it for like three weeks, yes. and I'm still. It's incredible, but sentence to sentence, I really have to put my thinking cap yes, on. Yes, you need yeah. to focus. Um, but much like Killers of the Flower Moon, which is framed as this um slow reveal who done it about uh this kind of genocidal massacre and investigation, the movie is sort of inverted in the way that mm-hmm. it's framed. And we will get very shortly to Leonardo DiCaprio and the, the role that he played in that. Um, the zone of interest is very similar. It's like there's a kernel of an idea that Glazer then went forward with and reshaped and reimagined. It took him a long time to do this and unpack it. We talked about it on the show when he was on. It's cool that it's recognized. My gut when I see this is that it means either Oppenheimer or Poor Things is going to end up winning adapted. Um, and then if the Oppenheimer wave is really strong, and I think that screenplay personally, I know you have your issues with the third act. I think that. Screenplay is pretty underrated when you talk to the people who made the movie about the way that he basically conceived fully of the story. It wasn't like, oh, and then we'll cut back to this black and white sequence. Like it is beat for beat him capturing the movie in his mind, adapting a 700 page book that is sitting right there yeah, on the no, shelf. Yeah, I just saw it. Um, so uh, to me, it's not, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Barbie getting, getting the look there, but it also just feels 
it just feels oddly out of place with this collection of adaptations because it's an IP adaptation. It's not a story-based adaptation. Whereas American Fiction based on a novel, The Zone of Interest based on a novel, Poor Things based on a novel, and of course Oppenheimer based on a, a massive nonfiction tome. But maybe that dis- dis- distinguishes it in some way. Maybe that maybe that's a credit to it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't tell. They sometimes the screenplay categories are a place to reward directors and, or filmmakers who are admired but aren't going to win anything else. So in that case you could see it happening, but it just doesn't seem really like Barbie is admired enough for for, for that to happen. It does have eight nominations. Yeah, sure. Um, two, of, two of them are songs. Not Two, two of them are songs. Um, but it doesn't have nine nominations. So we'll save it. There's okay. just, there's there's one more thing that could have been nominated. Uh, pleased, as always, to see Martin Scorsese recognized for his work. Yeah. His 10th nomination for directing. That makes him the most nominated living filmmaker in the world. I think it puts him in second place all time amongst directors behind William Wyler, who has 12. I don't think he's going to get there, but that that is sort of the Joe DiMaggio hitting streak yeah. record of Oscars. Like I never in a million years would have thought in 1999 that anyone was ever going to get close to William Wyler's 12 nominations. It's not out of the realm of possibility for Scorsese at this point, which is pretty wild. Um he so he passes Spielberg on yeah. the active list, and his 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 muse and partner Leonardo DiCaprio s- snubbed. To me, this is like you can I know, quibble about crazy. whether snubs exist or don't exist. This, this is sucks. a snub. This sucks. This is a weird thing that happened. Um, I think it's easy to say Coleman Domingo moved into his spot for his work in Rustin. I think we love Coleman Domingo. I did not think Rustin was a very good film. Uh, it feels like a nomination for someone who is really beloved. Uh, but and his work is is fine, but it's very traditional biopic work. It is it feels very similar to me to the Annette Bening nomination, right? Also, by the way, both Netflix films, both um, Netflix films, those, much admired. Yeah, they're Strong still working campaigns, hard. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of power and money behind those campaigns, and very charming people who have deep ties to the industry who work in film and television. Uh, but the Leo thing is interesting because this does happen sometimes, and it's been suggested by a few people that Leo might be in his. 21st century Tom Hanks era and I think that that's right this is like this is shades of Tom Hanks not getting nominated for Captain Phillips where you're like I don't know this is like an amazing transformation from one of the best actors and most famous people in the world like what is the why are we not we're not recognizing this just because we have so many times before I find things like this hard to make sense of spending so much time thinking about it because on paper, it's like, well, Scorsese with 10. Of course, he's Martin Scorsese. What a genius. But Leo, no. Is it because that's an unlikable character? Is it because he's uglied himself in a way that is not appealing and not what we expect from it's, him? I mean, he's definitely not the hero. There's also, he's playing a, a quote-unquote simpleton who then, like, how simple is this person? And mm-hmm. how much does, it like, is he stupid versus is he evil versus, like, what's going on? And I think people don't often give credit to how difficult like those shades are to portray. And so they, agree. and they just go with the judgment of being like, well, I, I don't, I don't like this character. Yeah. I, if you, if you, if you can disinvite Margot Robbie and Leonardo DiCaprio from your award show, should you do it? Like I, you know, I realize that this is not a uniform group of people sitting in a room making yeah. a decision together, but it just it's, feels no, like cutting off really your nose stupid. to spite I mean, your face. You know, and it's another thing where they they gave Barbie best picture and they know that Margot is going to be there supporting it in that way, which is like sort of been the 
annoying trend of award season. It's like, well, we won't give Barbie any of the real awards, but right. we'll give them just enough that we can still have Margot Robbie and yes. Greta Gerwig on stage. Which we saw at the Golden Globes, too. You know, honestly. which is just, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. You guys can read into it what you want. But the Leo thing is just stupid. I Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, he. I, I think he obviously made a choice to take a step back to support Lily Gladstone's campaign. Yeah. Which, of course, looks like to be a thoughtful and chivalrous move and and the right thing to do in many ways. And he just hasn't done a lot relative to what he has done in the past when he was really trying to win. And everything that he's done, he's done with her. With her. Which is, is like, very cool, honestly. We're in support of Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And something somewhat similar happened, I think, maybe unintentionally during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he effectively became the support system for Brad Pitt. Now, I like Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To me, the Leo performance is significantly more crucial and, and interesting and more representative of the way that Leo has challenged himself as a filmmaker and star, or as an artist and star. But he's just in a different phase now. And I'll be very curious to see, you know, we know he's making a movie with PTA, but like what his next, because Tom Hanks has just been doing weird shit for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He's worried a lot less about being a matinee idol or box office star or driving the future of the business. He's making you know, movies with the Wachowskis and he's making, um, you know, uh, he's man living. called Otto. Like he's he's writing novels and being a goofball on pods. Like he's in a different era completely. Leo is still Leo. Like he is still one of the centrifugal forces of Hollywood. So it'll be interesting to see something like this is probably not gonna have an impact. I get I get the impression he doesn't give a shit, but it's a very notable miss that most people did not have up until about two to three weeks ago when people started speculating it could happen. Right. Because he missed that a couple of key precursors. Um Maestro has seven nominations. Yeah. This is a very quiet seven nominations. Yeah, but there are the nominations in each category that I'm I'm like, well, I could just get rid of that and oh, put in someone I like. And that's I, where I, you're at with Maestro. Yeah. Wow. I am. Wow. Listen, I liked it a lot. And but like, <laughs> would you put Leo instead of Bradley Cooper? Um, sure. Yes. I don't want to have to choose between my beautiful I mean, damaged boys. Like they're beautiful, but I think that this is a bad outcome for the future of Bradley Cooper because he's not going to win anything, but it's not going to provide any like angst or anger for the creativity, you know, mill. So (sighs) I would, I would take it. And then this is, I guess this is going to be scandalous, but whatever it's early in the morning. Like I would drop Carrie Mulligan in a heartbeat Mm, for Margot Robbie or for, and like for anybody else. She's a wonderful actor Mm -hmm. who is um, consistently recognized at the Oscars for performances. I don't care that much about uh, with the exception of an education, which rules. Yeah, I think this is her third nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a strong feeling either way. I I think the whole kind of framework of that movie doesn't make sense. And in many ways, Carrie Mulligan is giving not even a lead performance. I think in a lot of ways, it's a supporting performance, but has been framed very much by the opening and closing of the movie to make you think that she is not supporting Bradley Cooper's performance in some way. I I wonder how we'll look back on Maestro if we look back on it at all. Uh, yeah, it felt like a kind of inevitable machine a year ago when you would look at it on paper and say, "Okay, Bradley Cooper's follow up to A Star Is Born, produced by Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese." There's been a rumor of a Leonard Bernstein biopic for more than a decade in Hollywood. You got Josh Singer in to help write the screenplay. This is the guy who wrote Spotlight. He wrote The Post. He wrote First Man. He knows how to do a story like this. Carrie Mulligan on board. 
You got Maddie Libatique shooting it. Black and white. I mean, it looks color. good. It's good. It's good. But yeah. like But it's it's again, it's all of those bloodless. pieces of the puzzle, but something yeah. didn't totally cohere. To me, what didn't cohere is it just a very core thematic you trying to tell me what this movie is about versus, versus what, what I, think I think this think it's movie about. is about. Yeah. And I, I think so, voters felt that too. Yeah. So you know, it, but they nominated it in Picture, actor, actress, yep. screenplay. It's a big achievement as a production. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's kind of what this shows, which is is interesting. It's the only film that has a Best Picture nomination from a streamer. And we are now fully out of that pandem- pandemic lockdown yeah. era when the streamers were able to capitalize pretty significantly. And Apple and Amazon and all of these other outlets were able to get Best Picture nominations been some big changes in Netflix. Scott, yeah, Scott, Scott Stuber, Stuber is out on his way. Yeah. yeah, so he is leaving. He was um, he was he was layered a few months ago uh, under Bella Bajaria, and many people <laughs> speculated when that happened that he would be out. Hate to get layered. Um, and so he's out, and he was he's been there for I, I think almost seven years, and so he was the person greenlighting a lot of these films. Netflix has been on this long journey to Best Picture, and that journey continues. I think because Maestro is not really competing. Yeah. This was a really good year for theatrical box office and for mainstream movie going and for art house movie going um, and the awareness of movies like Anatomy of a Fall and Poor Things and the movies that are coming out of COVID were not guaranteed to kind of bounce back. So I think that the streamers suffer in some respects. I think also, I wonder if my, if Netflix could do it again, if they would reorient where their attentions lie. Like now I look at a movie like Society of the Snow and what happened with, oh, yeah. with All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm like, would it have been better to put all Society of the Snow out in November? And because people are still watching that movie and enjoying yeah. it and it feels like a big, important international story with incredible effects and design and performances. And yeah, I don't know. Like, if you could, if that, you could redo the, it, would you redo it? The main guy, Enzo, is now like on the European fashion show circuit. Mm. Did you see this? How he was exciting! At, he was at the Loewe show with okay. all the other Cannibal Couture, yeah, Loewe boys. Nice. No, but it's it. That was like a real whoever cast like the guest list of that did an amazing job because it was like Josh O'Connor who has that deal, Mike Feist, Joe Alwyn, um, Callum Turner, Callum Turner, yeah, yeah, the star of the Boys in the Boat, right, and who's dating someone who, once again, we will get to it. Do you know this? I don't know. Who oh, that's, this is very exciting. Okay. What a what a crescendo okay. this podcast is. Okay. Uh, is he dating yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, and then the Society of the Snow guy. So he's really in the mix now. Wow. I, I don't know. All your I boys. All, I, all your like, I realize I realize that my type is a Louisville boy, which is really exciting. <laughs> um, uh, what else should we say? I mean, John Williams has 54 Oscar nominations. That's sick. What do you think of his work in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Can you? Why don't you hum a tune for us from that film? <laughs> I took my son to a, a lights show uh, around the holidays, as as many people do across this great land. This one was in Atlanta. I got to say, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens is really putting on a wonderful holiday lights show. Um, I'm but sure like, they greatly appreciate that <laughs> shout out on this podcast. I don't know if you're in Checks the area, in the mail but from um, the municipality. they they used the Indiana Jones theme song for like a really climactic event oh. in the in the lights show. Okay. Was that um, licensed or? I I didn't check, but it was very effective in that moment. I was like walking under a tunnel into some enchanted forest, and the lights were falling and and from the trees, and it was Indiana Jones, and I was excited. So just so I'm clear about this, <laughs> your comment about John Williams. Living legend, the <laughs> oldest living nominee in Oscar history. I believe he's 91 yeah. years old. Also the most nominated living human. Mm-hmm. 
your comment is they played one of his compositions yeah. at uh, in Atlantic my comment, Garden. My comment over Christmas. My comment is that he is his music is so powerful. <laughs> what he has contributed, uh-huh. it even it transcends cinema. Yeah. You know, it transcends Hollywood. It is a part of the fabric of our lives. There we go. That's yeah, it. Nice. Well done. Go. Well done. There's the context we need. Hollywood's biggest night. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you feel about the holdovers? I feel the same way I always feel. I don't nice mean your, I don't mean your feelings oh, on the yeah. film. This is a, oh, an episode about the Oscar nomination, <laughs> okay. so we're going to talk about that aspect of things, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a movie. I, I saw it. Um, <laughs> it did, it did, it did pretty well here. It did, yeah. you know, it five nominations. I'll just say five nominations for The Holdovers, American Fiction, and The Zone of Interest. I want to mark this because I'll just, I'll indict myself. I complain all the time about how Hollywood fucked me over. I finally got into my 40s and I got this podcast and I'm so excited about it. <laughs> and then they were like, well, what you will get forever is Fast X. And in fact, these are three original stories from really great filmmakers, completely different kinds of movies. The kinds of filmmakers, honestly, a French woman, a black American, and a old white guy who also is uh, constantly trying to explain how the world is bad, mm-hmm. um, who, are, who are getting lots of nominations for their yeah. movies and really good films. Um, I'm not like stunned by the way that these movies have been appreciated. I do think that there has been a little bit of like, Hollywood's biggest night. Like, let's get back to good films um, in the last year or so, maybe two years or so. But the holdovers simultaneously like impressed me and disappointed me with how it did this morning. Like, there were a lot of there was some suggestion that maybe Dominic Sessa had a chance late breaking to get yeah. in because he was really good at well, wearing sunglasses. And, I mean, you know. he is really good at wearing sunglasses, and and that's like one of the things where I. We talked about how there are always a couple surprises on nominations morning and you wake up and you're like, hey, Phantom Thread or hey. And there weren't any nominations this morning where you're like, hey, Dominic Sessa, you know, like Rachel McAdams was not nominated. I thought maybe when she showed up on SNL to introduce Renee Rapp. Um, but I thought it was even classier that they she waited until after Oscar voting to endorse the, um, you know, the to endorse the new Regina George. But the the Dominic Sessa thing to me is less of a verdict on holdovers and more of a verdict on like no one got splashy with the nominations this morning. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month 
for first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Let me tell you a little secret. If you want to end the day on an even better note, get yourself a sweet frozen treat from Sonic. Especially since right now at Sonic, you can get half-price shakes after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. That's creamy soft serve hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size and flavor. So save on your chocolate shake today, your strawberry shake tomorrow, and your cheesecake shake the next day. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. I think the quote-unquote disappointment for the holdovers has got to be Alexander Payne not sure. getting in for director. Yeah. Um, which I would guess, actually, he's probably a little bit relieved to not be the guy who replaced Greta Gerwig in the nomination. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he's been honored many times. I don't think that that would be ideal to be um, the portrait of uh, frustration and uh, women's inability to get into that mm-hmm. into that group, with the exception of Justine Trier, obviously. The 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 one like splash that you're talking about, I yeah. think, is a really bad splash. And this is not an, nothing against this actress, but the America Ferrera nomination is just oh, fucking weird. But, I mean, it's weird in the context of no Greta Gerwig in director, no Margot Robbie in best actress, but somehow America Ferrera makes it in and yes, supporting. That's my point. I mean, obviously, they're not competing in the same category, so it's not like oh well, America Ferrera yeah. replaced Margot Robbie. It's I weird. understand that. But uh, I, I, I just I, I, I think she's fine in that movie. I think that character is a is a tool to telling the story. Yeah, but she's got the speech. It's a it's a very good speech. James Cameron loved it. You know, he talked yeah. about how Greta really managed to just condense the experience of yeah. American womanhood. Yeah. Also, an incredible writer of dialogue, into- James Cameron, <laughs> one of his one of his great skills. Yeah, he did that interview <laughs> from a submarine. Um, Maybe the America Ferrera nomination is for putting up with Kevin Costner. <laughs> just, just floating I, that. I, I think I might have said that on the Globe's pod, where I was like, maybe there's a, a sympathy card that gets played here for America Ferrera for him no selling really their bit. I really liked her in that movie. And, She's good. She's and fine. I, I liked it, and I was not bummed, but I, I thought it was a shame when she was like pretty early dropped from the awards chatter throughout mm-hmm. the season, and. So I don't mind it, but it is weird. Like the the logic of where the nominations landed does not quite make sense. This is a it's a funky category supporting yeah. actress. Uh, it's Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks, America Ferreira, Jodie Foster, and Davine Joy Randolph. As is so often the case, categories like this are very unrepresentative of the Best Picture nominees or of the feeling across the board. Part of the reason for that is not a lot of great parts written for women, especially in supporting parts. They're mm-hmm. often just moms or wives or secretaries Mm -hmm. um i just i this feels like a very unadventurous group of nominees and davine jar randolph has obviously been dominating yeah um would have liked to have seen a little julianne moore in here personally sure but so counterpoint one thing and i know that i have um not been the most supportive of emily blunt's campaign for a supporting actress i didn't put together that it's her first Oscar nomination, yeah. which is nice. And there is like, a, I'm going to read the list of first time Oscar nominees. Let's do it. Acting nominees. Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks, Coleman Domingo, America Ferreira, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Huller, Killian Murphy, Dave Andre Randolph, Jeffrey Wright, and Sterling K. Brown. Another good surprise. Yeah. Not shocking after we saw SAG and the fact that one of the two poor things 
supporting actor nominees wasn't going to get in, but he's great. I, I feel like I've put him up for recasting couch on the rewatchables like, like 45, 18 times. times yeah. yeah. So um, hopefully this just means more opportunity for him. He's very good. That character is really interesting and really funny. And uh, it's a movie that like otherwise I think would be a little too grounded without him. Yeah. And he lifts the movie off its feet. Sometimes he's kind of the chaos agent of the movie and he's really, really wonderful in that one. Um, so yeah, a lot of really good first time nominees. I'm, I was very happy to see Sandra Huller get in totally uh, for her work in anatomy of a fall. I don't know if I, when I first saw that movie and of course it won the Palm door at, at, um, at can. So it's not shocking that it's being recognized here. Cause the Palm door now all of a sudden is like a hugely meaningful prize to the American voting body of, yeah. uh, the Oscars, which is, it did not used to be this way. Right. Um, but everybody wants to go hang out in France. Uh, in the Alps. No, 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 no. In the, in the, Every, in the French everyone, courts? Yeah, no, not in the French courts. Okay. But I oh, guess, you mean at the, you mean at, I mean, at the at Cannes, Cannes Film Festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just kind of like, well, I like the vibes, so yeah. I'll check out the movies. I too. mean, in general, that's one of the Cannes is one of the winners of yeah. of this of of this awards. Like Venice and Telluride did okay, but Kills the Far Moon premiered at Cannes. Right. I mean, some of that fall, was also zone of interest. Some of that was strike related. That's true. Um, that's true. And Poor Things was at Venice and Telluride. It was. Maestro. Maestro is at Venice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, we know how you feel about Maestro. You said Maestro was the worst film you saw last <laughs> year? Not, I just... I would make room. I would compromise in a different way. Mm, did you see that Godzilla Minus One got a I nomination did. for visual effects? That's great. You know, when it made the short list a few weeks back, and I had a, I had a couple of friends who were in the Academy tell me that there, it was guaranteed that it was going to be nominated for visual effects. And I didn't believe them. And shame on me for not just not believing them because they were like, there's such an overwhelming amount of support for that movie. And you could even hear it in the announcement this morning, uh, Zazie Beats and Jack Quaid, both of whom I thought gave very funny performances, by the way, reading the nominations, mm -hmm. like with a particular emphasis on actors or films that they really liked. But when Godzilla Minus One was announced, people were fucking screaming at that, whatever that event is. And who are the psychos who are at that event at 5.30 in the morning? Who are those people? I, I don't know. We've never been invited. Would you go? Uh, I think we could pretty easily go if we wanted to. Um, would I go? No. Yeah, no. I would roll that a bed at 5.29. And uh, that was so That's what's interesting enough. to me is that you still get up to watch it live. Yeah. I'm a steward of great works. I, I woke up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Pulled up a list. Mm -hmm. Didn't even put my glasses on. It was real like phone one inch from my nose. Cool. That's read everything and immediately got a little disgusted and texted you and then went and had coffee. I think if you look through my text messages over the years going back to 2018 when we started doing this together, um, you, you can just search for the phrase these morons, <laughs> which will come up once a year, every year, right around the same time when the noms <laughs> drop. Uh I don't. I tell you what I didn't think was moronic was a, a nomination what for, a segue. for Ed Lackman for El Conde, which I did not have my on my bingo card. I also saw that at Venice. Uh, you did. See, it's not done. <laughs> it's not done. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, El Conde getting nominated in anything is fascinating. The cinematography in that movie yeah, it looks is very genuinely beautiful. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful movie, and so I was excited about that. I don't know any other small ones that you were happy about. Celine Song did make it an original screenplay as well as Past Lives getting a Best Picture nomination. That's good. That I, good. I feel really good about very that. Very good. Um, the very rare screenplay and picture 
pairing mm-hmm. and just that, which I think has become a little bit more common with the introduction of 10 full nominees at Best Picture. Uh, I don't know. Any other, like, not really any other great surprises. I, sh- I We shouldn't overlook Glazer and Trier. It's easy to make a joke about the European fascination in the Academy. Yeah, but two really great films and great filmmakers. Yes. I And Glazer just... Let me just say this. I saw Zone of Interest for a second time. We're going to talk about it yeah. in depth later this week on the show. I think now it is justified to kind of spend a little bit more time on the film now that, in theory, it will be opening more widely and people will want to go see it. Boy, this is a very unusual film to get five Oscar nominations. And that's not a, a value judgment of any kind. But as I, I've tried to frame it as... This sort of like more of a uh, work of textural art and not, it's not a movie movie, you know, right. it's, it's a very thin narrative. It takes some wild turns uh, stylistically and structurally. True. And it is challenging, thought provoking, very upsetting. Obviously what it's about is resonant in what's happening in the world right now, what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening with the notions of fascism violence the way that people attempt to address world problems like it it fits in this time but the way that it's told it's the it's actually the least commercial of Jonathan Glazer's four films and his first three films are not Not, very commercial yeah I've been doing the Glazer rewatch I mean that's some powerful stuff but that it is also a, a unique world to 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 spend a weekend yeah yeah um so I'm I'm happy about that broadly, but it is unusual. I didn't think there were a ton of what the fucks, but I was, you know, speaking of your your two friends, mm-hmm. the Robot Dreams nomination, yeah, was that best animated? Was it, it's a it's a um I think it's a Spanish film. Pablo Berger is the director. Uh, Why can't a, robots have dreams? Uh, I don't I don't I don't think isn't f- isn't that one of the crucial questions confronting society right now well and a film that explores it with all the tools that animation provides do you know what the original title of the story that Blade Runner is based on Robot Dreams no it's called Do Androids Dream oh, yeah. of Electric Sheep oh yeah I do know that so this is a this is a, a time tested concept um, I know that uh, that's what I, that's my thing I was like I don't care whether robots have feelings we've been doing this for 75 years why is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles not in? I don't know, man. That's, That's between you and your gods. You know, yeah. I showed up. I bought yeah. a ticket. Did you see the film Nimona? You know what? Not yet. I was actually going to watch it last night. And instead, I watched a movie, a really sick movie for a different podcast that we're we're doing this week. Okay. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, okay. You recently rewatched it, though, because I saw it on Letterboxd that you reblogged this film. Um, I actually don't know what you're referring to, but that's really <laughs> exciting. Uh, <laughs> so Robot Dreams got in, which means, let me just speak for one second about Wish. Yo, Wish, <laughs> we are going so hard with Wish in this house that you are in right now. We got Wish gear. Does the, so Wish the happens in here? Is the, the, a, the ADU no, garage no, is a no. Wish space? But when we acquire the physical media, it will. Um, oh, that's right. Wish, of course, a quasi-maligned Disney animation film celebrating 100 years of, the, of, of their animated movies. Um, didn't get a nomination today. Elemental did get a nomination for Best Animated Feature. Okay. Uh, I did say that when the Annies didn't recognize Elemental or Wish, that it would be stunning if both Pixar and Disney missed out. They did not. Uh, Spider-Verse got in. Boy and the Heron got in. I feel like Boy and the Heron is pretty locked in to winning that category. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Not, disappointed to not see Joe Hisaishi for Best Score. I think it was a long shot, but 
best score is kind of weird. Um, John Williams, of course, beloved, but that's an odd nomination. I think Oppenheimer and uh, Ludwig Göransson has got it in the bag. I don't really get that American Fiction nomination. That's a that score's fine. Um, I can't say that I remember it. Relative to some other stuff on the board, like the Spider Verse score is amazing, genuinely amazing, and to not get a look for something that is as like kind of light and fluttery, jazzy, and something that we've just heard in many, many movies before. No disrespect to the to the uh, folks who worked on that film, but I, I just thought that, that was an odd nomination. No, uh, no, the taste of things in best international feature or fallen leaves or fallen leaves. But uh, taste of things is is one of the travesties of this morning, in my opinion. Do you think that the French body that chose this film rather than Anatomy of a Fall is regretting that decision on this day? I guess so. How much does the French body that chooses the international feature film care about winning that Oscar? I, I mean, I assume know. that they would prefer to win it as opposed to not win it, but they seem pretty French and... You know, my laissez faire, is, if you will. It's my understanding is it's 35 men named Jacques in a room. <laughs> you are you watching Monsieur Spade? I'm not. I'm not. Is that something I should be watching? It's the only show that I'm watching right now. That okay. holds the Amanda Belt for TV right now, which okay. is the one show that I'm watching at any given time. But like I am seriously considering moving to the south of France. Okay. I wish you well in that respect. Um, <laughs> then so I'll this be is able, your final episode? <laughs> then I'll be able to go to Cannes and yeah. see all of next year's Best Picture winners Definitely. In, in May. Do you speak French? Yeah, I do. Fluently? Um, no, but I, that is the language other than English that I am best at. Um, a little bit of room for you to talk about Dua Lipa. Yeah, they didn't nominate Dance the Night Away for original song. They nominated I'm Just Ken, Thank God. Mm -hmm. Because if they'd passed up the opportunity for Ryan Gosling to perform at the Oscars, that would have been incredibly stupid. They nominated that Billie Eilish dirge, which will win. And we'll all have to sit through it being like performed at the five most boring minutes of your life. The song is called What Was I Made For? Um you see, you're having a normal one about this, huh? They nominated The Fire Inside mm -hmm. from the film Flame and Hot, yep. which is about Cheetos. Oscar nominated film Flame and Hot. <laughs> you know what? I thought it held my attention. Apparently, it's like barely based on uh, reality, it's but not, it's not very good. Uh, whatever. Uh, they nominated It Never Went Away from American Symphony. Yes, which was actually not, not nominated right. in documentary. Even though we both picked it to win, I did not pick it to win. I don't think. What did you pick it? To, what did you pick to win? No, I think that you did because did you gave a whole speech about how this year it's personality-driven documentaries. You think, and so. Well, I was wrong about that. When you look at the nominees in that okay. category, um, and then they nominated a song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I mean this this category is the. I mean, it is the masterpiece of the Oscars be, every year. But dance the night away is featured prominently mm -hmm. in Barbie. Mm -hmm. It is the song to which they do the choreographed number at the sleepover that happens every night at Barbie's dream house. Uh, it's genuinely very catchy. Mm -hmm. It taught me about Dua Lipa, who's dating Callum Turner. Oh, They were I making see. out outside of okay. Sushi Park. Did you see the film The Boys in the Boat? No, but I almost went to see it a couple times. Okay, and great I, story. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I'll probably like it if I go. I saw it. It's, uh, it, to use a, an Amandaism, it held my attention. I sure. definitely, it is 
passable as I'll, these things go. I will watch it when it's available in my home. It is um it is a stealth hit. It is the second highest grossing George Clooney directed movie uh, of all time, which is really something. I think he's directed like nine movies. Yeah, I know. Uh, many of which have been forgotten to history. But uh, yeah, it seems to be doing well. It's a real old guy movie. Yeah, it just it seems just right down the middle, like full dad stuff, uncomplicated. Yeah, but I'll well like made, it. good performances. Anyway, Dua Lipa won't be at the Oscars. Well, maybe we'll see. Would you go if Dua Lipa? I got your back, and I don't think that you should go. Okay, without a nomination, you could come over and have Negronis with me instead. Okay, fair enough. Um, with your hot boyfriend. Yeah, this is a it's that's a weird collection of nominees. Uh, quickly, documentary feature film. Bobby Wine, The People's President, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters to Kill a Tiger, and 20 Days in Mariupol. I guess 20 Days in Mariupol is the leader here, a film that chronicles the uh, devastation in the Ukraine. Uh, I think The Eternal Memory is probably running closely with it, um, a very upsetting film about uh, a marriage and Alzheimer's and a, a journalist. Um, I haven't seen Four Daughters or To Kill a Tiger. So, and To Kill a Tiger had a very small release. So that was a very surprising nomination to me. I definitely would have thought something along the lines of American Sym- Symphony would have gone into that place. I was wrong. Um, you've seen all the shorts that were shortlisted. <laughs> so do you want to give your dissertation on that right now? So Wes Anderson did get one nomination. Congratulations to Wes Anderson. The wonderful story of Henry Sugar nominated and almost certainly will win mm-hmm. for best uh, short feature. You know where I saw that? Uh, at Venice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought um, we turned the page to 2024. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't. Okay. We didn't. Um, he, Asteroid City, nothing. But no. at least we got a short film. Yeah. Unsurprising, but still sort of a travesty. Um, yeah, and then all the other short films I, I will watch at my in my home as they're made available to me. I saw a, I saw a trailer for, you know, because they do release the shorts in theaters mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. I've never gone, but I saw a trailer for last year's shorts. Mm-hmm. They, like, I saw a trailer advertising this year's program featuring yeah. last year's shorts. You brought some great stories to this spot. <laughs> no, I'm not done with my story. <laughs> I know. I'm just observing it in real time. I, I was just like, wow, I've seen a lot of those. I remember that. You were like, I saw a commercial I saw guys what, dating a girl. What commercial? Listen, the dual leap of column turner news is hugely important to my uh-huh. Gen Z constituency. Okay? okay, and people online. Gen Z mommy Did you, strikes it's, again. You like didn't even listen when I was like they were making out outside of Sushi Park. You know, I've been there. Yeah, you like Sushi Park. So have I. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's like the a overrated. But cel- well, it's like the celebrated celebrity place. Yeah. You can always get a paparazzi photo of people on the balcony leaving Sushi Park. And that is where Dua Lipa and Callum Turner were making out. Uh, I'd like to thank the entity for acquiring <laughs> two nominations for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, uh, which is no longer Dead Reckoning Part 1. We didn't discuss the fact that the oh, Part right. 1 was dropped from the title of that film. So does that mean that they're just going to rename the next one? I suspect so. Okay. That's just Tom doing work. That's Tom looking at the field. (laughs) You know, the offensive coordinator is looking at what the defense is giving him. They said, please stop putting part one in your movie title, sir. And he said, aye, aye, captain. How many emails do you think were sent in total among (laughs) people? Okay, first of all, okay, scale back, scale back. (laughs) I've I've got Zoom out, zoom out. Enhance. <laughs> does Tom Cruise email? Oh, wow. I think he has a person who does that on his behalf. Okay. And then are they read aloud to him or printed out? Read aloud. I think read aloud. Okay. And he's, so- got, he's on the go. He can't be handed pieces of paper. Okay. 
And so, and then he is like dictating back. He's got an earpiece and he's on, <laughs> whenever he's not filming, he's just on his motorcycle. He doesn't sleep. He's just on the motorcycle racing around the, the, the contiguous states. Okay. All right. So how many motorcycle emails did he dictate about <laughs> dropping the title? Whose idea was it is the question to me. Was it his idea? Did he say we got to get part one out of the paint? We made an error. Well, that was my second question. Did Macquarie convince him? Which is like, how many emails total? Was it Paramount's idea? In the Paramount Did this idea spark Tom Cruise leaving Paramount to join Warner Brothers, which is not actually what he did, but how it was framed when that news was announced. Do you think it's like 2,300? 2,300 emails? Yeah. 2,300? That is probably low. Think about how these people email, you know? 2,300? And they're just like, we'll have to circle back and we'll have to check in on then like, here are some numbers and we got to set a meeting. Like, that's, yeah. I, how many emails do you write in a year? I don't email. That's, <laughs> this is my point. People don't email. Sure, but I'm not Paramount, you know? That's like okay. old school. I, I think it was like at least four figures of emails. So it, we're in the thousands <laughs> of emails. Okay. Uh... I gotta say, you have a very unique mind. I don't fully understand how it works, but I'm I'm proud of you. Uh, the film, the creator, also got two nominations, two Watched Academy Award nominations. You did, yeah. You did. What'd you think of that movie? Um, I I'm realizing. Did now, you take a flight just to watch it in that environment? I'm realizing now, I didn't finish it. I had it going on my TV. And then I had Barbie going on Knox's TV because I thought that the colors and the movement would entertain him, which they kind of did. Wow, that's an indoctrination of your child. Uh, He can say, hi, Barbie, (laughs) uh, which he learned from the Barbie plane that your daughter owns. Yeah, Alice can Um, say hi, Barbie, as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, looked cool on a plane. You know, I'm sure that was exactly what the, the filmmakers intended for me. Um. Yeah, I, I, the creator is it. The visual effects Oscar is legit. Like I, I, I think it could and probably should win. I feel like Godzilla minus one might win. Okay. Do you know how many n- nominations Napoleon got? Three. Three. That's a lot. Respect Ridley. Mm-hmm. And respect a fantastical time at the movies. You know, I everyone was just really mad in their history books, logging on talking about this and that, and it's not what they taught me. And it was just a funny time at the movies. I agree. What are you, what are you most disappointed about as we look back on this? I, I just, I feel a little bummed about the prominence of Greta Gerwig in all the lead up to the, you know, awards and and that thing of let's figure out how we can get Greta Gerwig on stage for an award that's not best director or best picture. This and is then, how I felt about Endgame. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you dare know, you? and it's like it's how dare you it's, use it's, this and movie. It's fine. And I and I don't know <laughs> whose spot I would take in best director, and she's probably a billionaire if anyone has any info on why is that important points I'm, I'm genuinely curious i don't i honestly don't know what you're talking I'm about i'm just curious okay. if she has if she's like, how much money she made that's why? what runs this town don't you understand that <laughs> thank god you're here the brass tax of the business <laughs> you asked me to come to your garage at 7 30 in the morning this is what a so billion we're dollars gonna follow the money okay this is, this is what a billion dollars can follow get you the fucking a money. room full of plastic just, yeah so she'll be fine. She's great. And it's not some travesty. And I think people were expecting me to yell and I'm not going to yell. And, and 
this is this is also true to Margot Robbie and in an extent in Best Actress. I just I think what they accomplished was a little undervalued, and the way that they were trotted out and then not mm-hmm. rewarded, it just yeah, it's leaves a bad taste. Yeah, that's yeah. all. Totally understand. Um, I don't. I guess I don't really have a huge disappointment. I think that the Leo snub is just one of those silly yeah, things that kind of forms over the period of a few weeks, and 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 here we are. Um, is there anything that you're really looking forward to now that you've seen all the nominations for the telecast? Something that you're excited for? A win that you're rooting for? Rooting for uh, Lily Gladstone. Mm-hmm. I am rooting for the budding bromance between Mark Ronson and Ryan Gosling to make it on to the Academy stage, perhaps okay. in the form of a performance. The there, only time I've rooted for a live performance at the Academy Awards. There's been some murmurings that Ryan Gosling will not perform. I'm just Ken. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that that is probably the right decision for him as a person with self-respect. I also wouldn't do it live. I would do it in the movie, but not live. You know, that's just me. You have to draw a line somewhere. Yep. Um, but I, but maybe they could at least present together something. I don't know. They're buds now, according to Instagram, and I enjoy that. One thing we didn't talk about was... Uh... John Mulaney hosting the Governor's Awards. Yeah, he's very good. Being amazing. Yeah. I feel like probably both of us, I know I for sure have been like, John Mulaney should host the Oscars Mm -hmm. for like the last six or seven years. Well, Uh, you've alternated between John Mulaney and The Rock. I do think The Rock should as well. Yeah. Um, And he frankly needs that right now um, as he starts to rebuild his reputation by making a film with A24. But uh, I I I think I had just seen him and Kroll together do the Spirit Awards. Yeah. And I was like, this is a no, no they're amazing. let the two of them do this. This is this is a home run. And then he was brilliant in the clips that I saw from the Governor's Awards. I wasn't there. Um, and, you know, now we've got Kimmel. Kimmel, extremely reliable in, in hosting this show. Basically has never blundered. And whenever there's something, something weird happens, he's excellent at yeah. riffing when he, something he, strange happens. He keeps the train on the tracks. Very much so. Which is, which is very hard to do, as we have learned at recent awards yes. ceremonies. Ace broadcaster, obviously, friend of the ringer. Um, but I do think I would li- I would like them to see now that Mulaney is through all of his personal stuff mm-hmm. that he's been through over the last few years seems to be on the other side of some of those things. Uh, I I would like to see him get a, get a crack at this now because I he, yeah absolutely he struck me or at least to the people who were helping him write the jokes struck me as people who are really watching the movies and making writing a lot of smart jokes about the movies which is something that I hope comes to the show this year. Um, aside from that. I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have a ton of rooting interest. It's hard to not feel like this is just a bulldozer of an Oppenheimer year. Yeah, which I won't complain about, but could potentially make March tenth kind of boring. Sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes the Chiefs roll into town and they beat your team. You know, there's an right. inevitability to yeah. Patrick Mahomes and Christopher Nolan at times, and Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift, yeah, and the NFL's desire to see Taylor Swift uh, in the Super Bowl. I think mm-hmm. there's, do you, do you believe in that? Do you believe that the NFL would fix the AFC championship game to lift oh. up Taylor Swift? I mean, it seems like the NFL is capable of anything except uh, being respectable. So, wow. Right. It, it, but, uh, you know, I, I don't have an opinion on that. Interesting. Do you think Christopher Nolan should somehow get involved in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Just to kind of lock things in. We can kind of bring, create a union of all of our culture. No, he's, you know, he's just doing personal fitness and I support him for that. I thought actually, like when he was asked about the the Peloton instructor, mm-hmm. a very charming and gracious what, what response. Did he say? Um, 
he because he, he was asked whether he had seen her response and he was like, no, I didn't. Um, or maybe he was asked if he had. I don't remember. It was something about how he's taking a break from Peloton, but he loves them and something. It, it, it was charming. OK, well, that, that probably <laughs> sealed best director for Christopher <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> a very thoughtful response. Uh, any closing thoughts here? What are we going to do to make it interesting for the next six to eight to something weeks? I'll come up with another game. I don't know. Something, okay. some some sort of blood sport that okay. will make this exciting. I mean, I think there are a couple of really still very exciting races that we'll spend a lot of time on. Giamatti versus Killian Murphy. Lily Gladstone right. versus Emma Stone. Can Robert Downey Jr. be wounded, be pierced in this no. race? Um, um, screenplay. Is there, is there like a, yeah, screenplay. Screenplays, both. Both of those I think are very hard to predict yeah. right now. So it's not that everything is dull, but it it just it does seem like it's Oppenheimer and everything else in Best Picture. Even movie like I thought the holdovers was really strong. No, no pain tells me it's not as strong as I thought. Yeah. You know, I I I thought Anatomy of a Fall is weirdly a movie that has now risen in my estimation of how what people think of it. I'll tell you the one thing we forgot to mention that I thought was so interesting was it getting into film editing. Now, obviously, the editing is a critical part of that film because it's a courtroom drama. There's a lot right. of memory and reflection and recreation and what-ifs in the structure of the movie, and it is brilliantly edited. But a foreign language film that about that kind of subject matter, getting into so editing... editing is, means people are taking it seriously. They're taking it seriously. I guess original screenplay is not really suspenseful because uh, Justine Trudeau will win. That seems... You think so? Don't you think? Because I, like, I, I still, despite it getting into editing i think that oppenheimer will win editing that that editing is extraordinary i agree with you um, and like and pace setting and tone setting in that in that film i don't holdovers is tough holdovers versus anatomy of a fall feels like a real race to me in in, in screenplay yeah but it, as you said pain fell out of best director there is real respect for for Justin Tree and Anatomy of a Fall yeah. and the screenplay category is normally where they reward that yeah that's an interesting one okay We'll, we'll probably talk more about that. Probably talk more about Anatomy of Fall. Still not streaming. Well, go to the cinema. I do most days, and it's wonderful. Um, couldn't agree more. Thank you to our producer, Bobby Wagner, for his work on this pod. Um, thanks, Bob. Thanks for making sure that we didn't screw up this recording. What would we do without you? Uh, later this week, we're going to talk about the zone of interest. We're going to do a mailbag. So if you have any questions, if you have any, have any outraged notes about the results if you have any thoughts about Amanda's reading of the Callum Turner Dua Lipa relationship, <laughs> anything you want to see at the Academy Awards, let us know and we'll dig in. We'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.